Uh, today, we're going to continue on our series. We've been talking about faith to receive and uh, faith to believe you receive and, and how to believe you receive and so forth. Last time, we talked about um, faith to receive the Word. <coughs> and today, we're going to talk about faith to receive the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So let's turn to Mark 11. Mark 11, that's our text scripture that we've been studying from. Mark 11. Hallelujah. We've got happy little boy. Sorry, I didn't uh, introduce Matt Schofield, who is Nancy's husband, and Ben, their little boy. He's out praising the Lord. <laughs> so we'll just let him praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we're, we're great, you know, it's great to have them with us, and we're glad that they're here. Amen. So Mark 11, verse 22. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. The margin of my Bible says have the faith of God, and we've talked about what is the faith of God, what is the God kind of faith. God himself operates by faith. Uh, we talked about, we looked in Genesis 1 and Hebrews 11:3 how God created the universe, the earth, and everything in it. You and I, by speaking faith-filled words. God created us with the same ability. We've been created in His likeness and His image with the same ability to create and to change our circumstances by speaking faith-filled words. And that's what Roger just gave a testimony of. God's given us the ability to speak faith-filled words that will uh, create and change our circumstances and bring them in line with the Word of God. Verse 23, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now we looked at this in, in an earlier session. What did Jesus say that we are to believe concerning the things we desire? Believe that we receive them. Believe God is able, that's good, but that's not what he said. Believe that uh, it's God's will, that's wonderful. That's, that's, uh, we got to know that. We have to have that established before we even pray. So believing it's God's will is good, it's necessary. And believing that God's able and believing God is all-powerful, that's all good. But in this verse where, Je where Jesus is talking about Praying for the things you desire, he said there's something specifically we have to believe. Believe 
that you receive them, the things that you desire, the, pray, the things you're praying for, and you shall have them. Now, in verse 23, Jesus uh, uses the word mountain. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, he's referring to problems in your life or circumstances that need to be changed. That's the mountain. Does he say, pray to God to move the mountain? No. Does he say, talk to God about moving the mountain? No. Whosoever shall say unto the mountain. Let's say this out loud. Whosoever, whosoever. means me. Means so you're a whosoever, and I'm a whosoever, and Jesus said, you're to speak to the mountain, and I'm to speak to the mountain. We're to use our faith to speak against and remove problems, little problems, big problems, mountain-sized problems in our lives. Many Christians have not seen and done what Jesus instructed us to do. They're still begging God to move the problem. Jesus said we are supposed to stand up and we're supposed to speak to that thing. It needs to go. It needs to leave. And we're supposed to speak to these problems and these circumstances that need to change. And we're supposed to command them to leave. We're supposed to shut them down. We're supposed to stop them. We're supposed to run them out of our lives. Hallelujah. Speak to the mountain of death. Speak to the mountain of sickness. Get out of here in Jesus' name. Be removed from my life. So we're to speak against the bad things. We see two sides of faith here. Um, speaking against the bad things in life and speaking to the good things in life and commanding them to come to us. So, so on the one hand, we're speaking to the, the mountain problem over here. We're shutting it down. We're casting it out. We're commanding it to, to leave our life, to leave our situation. And on the other hand, we're calling the things that we do desire, we're calling them to come to us. So, you do it in the name of Jesus. The faith of God speaks to bad things and commands them to leave. And the faith of God speaks to good things and commands them to come. So we see two aspects of faith in operation here. Now, what led up to this teaching here in the previous few verses, Jesus had demonstrated this principle to the disciples by speaking to a fig tree on the previous day. And here in, in the previous verses, they walk back past this fig tree the next day. And Peter says, Master, look at the fig tree that you spoke to yesterday. It's dried up from the roots. And Jesus said, have, have the faith of God. You, you can do this. You do what I did. You speak to the mountains in your life. You speak to the fig tree in your life. You command it to wither up. You command it to dry up from the roots. You speak to it. 
So if if Jesus didn't expect them and us to do this, he wouldn't have stopped and taught this object lesson. He fully intended for us to do this. So people that say, well, Jesus did, well, this was Jesus. I mean, of course it was going to dry up when Jesus spoke to it. I mean, after all, he was God. Jesus did not minister on earth as God. He was God in the flesh, but he ministered as a man. He lived here as a man. He ministered as a man filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and he's telling us, you can do the same thing that I've done. That's why he did it, was to demonstrate to them that they could do it. And you know, in, in the boat out there on the, on the sea, when that storm came up that time, and they all, Jesus was asleep in the boat, and they ran up to him and says, Master, we perish, you know, we're, we're drowning, our, our, don't you care? You know? And, and Jesus, uh, you know, after he spoke to the wind, and he commanded it to stop, he commanded the waves to cease, and they did. And, of course, the disciples just marveled. That's why he said, where's your faith? He fully expected them to have done that. He expected them to speak to the wind and the waves. In other words, why did you wake me up? <laughs> why didn't you just speak to the wind and the waves and you stop and you calm it? So he fully expected them to use their faith to do the same thing. That's, that's why he said that. He, it would have been unjust, you know, if, if they couldn't do this and it was just Jesus' divine power, then Jesus, you know, should have said, hey, why didn't you come and wake me up sooner? I mean, did you want us all to drown? You know, you, you obviously didn't, you know, you couldn't do anything to stop this. You should have come and got me 30 minutes ago before this got so bad. No. He said, where is your faith? So, you know, we have been created in the likeness and image of God, and we have the same ability to speak to mountains and command them to leave. We have the same ability to speak to good things and command them to come. We have the same ability to use our faith just like Jesus did. That's why he's, he's teaching us a lesson. Hallelujah. But most of the body of Christ has not been taught to do what Jesus instructed us to do. Not only that, to make matters worse, religion has taught that mountains in life are set by God to teach you some spiritual lesson. I mean, that's even makes the matter worse. Not only, you know, can, can you not do anything about it, but these mountains have actually been, these problems have actually been sent to you to teach you something. That's what most Christians have been taught. Or, you know, they'll say, well, this is, you know, that's not really a problem. Actually, that's a blessing in disguise, you know. This sickness, that's not, you know, that's really a blessing in disguise. Hog wash. That is a lie from the devil. Let's say this all together. The mountains, the mountains. are not coming from God. Not coming from God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire. Now he's talking about good things in your life, things you desire. In verse 23, he talked about mountains in your life that need to leave. And now in verse 24, he's talking about good things 
you desire to have in life. It is never wrong to believe God for something He has promised you. It is never wrong to believe God for something He has promised you. And it is never wrong to believe God for anything He has provided in redemption. So don't ever allow anyone to condemn you or make you feel guilty about receiving anything God has promised you. So we can pray to God, we can ask Him for what we desire according to the Word, and when we pray, we are to believe something specific. Verse 24, when you pray, what? Believe that you receive them. That's what Jesus said in this verse specifically, we are to believe. And as a result of praying and believing we receive them, what did he say would happen next? You shall have them. You'll have it. That's the manifestation of it. That's the seeing it. That's the feeling it. That's the experiencing it. That's the wearing it. That's the living in it. That's the driving it. Amen? Hallelujah. So Jesus is talking specifically about how to get from desiring something to having something. And that's, that's the name of the game, isn't it? <laughs> you know, to get from just desiring something to actually experiencing it. So what comes between the things you desire when you pray and you shall have them? There's a phrase, there's something that comes in between those two things. Believe that you receive them. That's what comes between desiring something and having something. Just because someone believes in God doesn't mean they have faith. Jesus talked about people who had no faith. He talked about people who had little faith. And he talked about people who had great faith. The religious leaders of Jesus' day, they claimed to believe in God. As a matter of fact, they considered themselves to be the spiritual elite, you know. But they had no faith. They had no faith. You want to turn the heat, uh, the cooling up a bit? Hallelujah. So someone may believe in God, Someone may believe in God, but have no faith to get healed, or no faith to get out of debt. The you know, okay, somebody believes in God, so does the devil. The Bible says the devil believes in God, and the demons, and they tremble. But, but it's not helping them. They believe in God, but it's not helping them. It's not saving them. It's not doing anything for them. So it's obviously good to believe in God, but that's not what Jesus said to believe in order to experience what you desire. Believe that you receive them. And this is where we have fallen short as a whole in the church. It's very simple. 
It's so simple that we have missed it and we've had a lot of help from the devil and religion to see to it that we miss it and that he's kept us confused uh, about this. The devil has worked very hard and long to keep us confused about this because when you get a hold of this, you're going to start receiving some things. Amen? You're going to start receiving some things and you'll keep receiving and receiving and receiving the rest of your life because now you know how to do it. If you know how to receive one thing, you can receive anything else that you need or desire. You know, people will, will see you receiving and they'll say, how did that happen? You know, you've already had probably opportunities. People have said to you, how did that happen? You know, uh, and you have an opportunity, you know, to say, turn to Mark 11, 20, Mark 11, 23, 24, I'll tell you. You got your Bible out? Turn to Mark 11. That's how it happened. Jesus said, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. I heard Brother Copeland tell once about, he, he got up in the middle of the night and it, you know he didn't have the light on and he stumbled over, I think it was an ottoman or something in the floor and he broke his toe. And he, um, he had, had to go out to the airport there in Fort Worth the next day for something. And he was just kind of getting started in faith and operating in faith and believing the word and standing on the word and all this. So he, he thinks, well, I got to go out to the airport, you know, and he managed to get his shoe on, you know, and he goes in the, you know, he comes in the airport office, you know, hobbling around like this and, um, you know, said, I need to see so-and-so or whatever. And of course, you know how people do. What's wrong with you? You know, what happened to your foot or ankle or whatever? And he said, oh, last night, uh, I got up in the middle of the night and I broke my toe. But Jesus said, when he was on the earth, what things soever you desire when you pray, Believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And at 2 o'clock this morning, I believed I received healing from my toe. And my toe is healed in the name of Jesus. And he's preaching to these ladies, and he said, one of them shot out the door that way, and the other one shot out the door in the other way. When he started giving them his testimony, because he's saying he's healed. And I mean, he's he's walking around like this and these ladies they don't think he's healed he, you know he looks crippled and he's telling them you know jesus said you know speak to the mountain and it'll be moved i spoke to my toe at two this morning and it's healed and, and i believed i received my healing at two in the morning so that's the way you do it amen if they run out of the room let them run out of the room but they may not they may say tell me more wow what fantastic testimony Amen. Hallelujah. Was it was it year before last, Ann, that you broke your ankle? Or last year? Yeah. Last year, Ann fell and broke her ankle. And the doctors told you it would be eight weeks. They put one of those special boots on you, didn't they? Yeah. They put one of those special boots on you, and they told you to come back. They told you you'd have to wear that boot for eight weeks. And so you went home, and you started speaking to your ankle, didn't you? Yeah. I did. And what did you say? 
I am healed by Jesus' stripes and I, I'm not going to be moved by it at all. When I go for my test, they will say that it's totally healed. Amen. And when I got there, they did. Yeah. That's what you continue to say. And you went back, what, was it five or six days? Days later. Days, not right. weeks, five or six days later. And now get this. You remember a few months ago we talked about um, uh, acting on the word. You know, and faith without corresponding action is dead faith. So, how do we know that she had faith for her ankle to be healed? She took her shoe with her to the doctor. Yeah, I did too. That's how confident she was that her ankle was healed. And she knew they were going to tell her her ankle was healed. She took her regular shoe back to the doctor with her. And what and did the doctor say? Okay, okay, it's, 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 you know, you can go in yeah. day. five days. Yeah. Five days. Mm. And he had said, we know, it takes at least eight weeks in a plaster when you break your uh, a bone or whatever. Five days and her ankle was healed. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. I determined I wasn't going in a wheelchair. Amen, amen. We were going to Cyprus. Amen. Hallelujah. Faith without corresponding action is dead. Amen. She put action to her faith. She put action to her believing by taking her shoe with her because she thought. When they give me the all clear, they're going to take this boot off and I'm going to need my shoe to walk home. Do you see that? Amen. Hallelujah. So when people say, well, you can't tell if somebody's got faith or not. Oh, yes, you can. You can tell if somebody's got faith or not. Amen. Hallelujah. Faith believes it receives when it prays and faith gets ready. Faith gets ready. That's your member... Teresa, the, when we were meeting over in Burfham, the lady from Woking, and she said, my daughter has a little boy and she wants another baby and they've told her she can't have any more kids. And would, she said, I want to stand in proxy for her. Would you pray? So yeah, we did. We gathered around, we prayed, and when we finished praying, I said, now, you go tell your daughter to get the nursery ready and to do whatever you would normally do if you knew you were gonna have a baby and to go buy some baby clothes. And she said, well, I don't think she's got faith to do that. So I said, okay, you do it then. You go buy some baby clothes and you take them to her. So she did. Faith gets ready. Faith gets ready. So about three months later, she came back and she said, my daughter just found out she's pregnant. <laughs> and so, and you remember, uh, a few months later, she and the daughter brought the new baby to the meeting. And we saw the new baby. We saw that baby with our own eyes. Yeah. So, but, and she told me later, she said, 
She said, I didn't really believe that. I just did it because you told me to do it. But, but that's, that's acting on the word. I mean, there was some faith there. She did, she did believe to some extent. She believed enough to do it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So people have come too late to tell me that faith doesn't work and faith in God doesn't work. Uh, amen. I've experienced it. I've seen it. I've driven it. I've worn it. I've seen it manifested in my body. I've seen it in other people, including some of you. So they've, they've come too late to tell me it doesn't work. Believe that you take it. Let's say this out loud. Believe that you take it. Take what? Whatever you're desiring. What you're praying and asking God for. How many Christians are praying this? Most are praying, please God remove this. Please God do this. They're not believing that they take it. This is a totally foreign concept to most of the body of Christ. But according to the Bible, this is the way we're supposed to be living. And we need to get to the point where this becomes natural to us instead of a foreign, strange thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when the Bible says, the just shall live by faith, this is what it's talking about. Speaking to things, commanding them to leave. Speaking to things, commanding them to come to us. That's what it means by the just shall live by faith. Little things, mountain-sized things. I believe I receive. I believe I take it. You get out of here. You leave. I command you to leave my body. I command you to leave my finances. I command you to leave my household. I shut you down. I cast you out in the name of Jesus. I believe I take my healing. I believe I take my money in the name of Jesus. That's the way we're supposed to be living. And it seems extreme. It seems extreme an extreme way to live because over thousands of years the Word of God has been diluted and pushed aside and replaced with man-made traditions. That's why the Word of God seems extreme. It's been pushed out. It's been diluted. It's, it's been replaced with man-made traditions and, and when you act on the Word people think you're crazy and that's the way we're supposed to be living. Hallelujah! The Word of God is extreme compared to the way most Christians have been taught. Hallelujah. But we're doing something about it. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Even the unbelieving world knows that it is not normal to be poor. I mean, even those people downstairs, they know that's not normal. And yet the church has embraced this poverty like it's some kind of a badge of spirituality or something. Even those, even downstairs, they know it's not normal to be poor. They know it's not normal to be sick. But that's what most people who go to church believe because that's what they've been taught. And a whole lot more people in churches believe that than believe what Jesus said in Mark 11, 22 to 24. Let's say this out loud. I'm getting good. I'm At believing, I receive. I'm a believer. I'm a receiver. I have faith. 
And my faith works. Amen. So the last time we were together, we talked about faith uh, to receive the word and how the preaching and teaching of the word comes first and it, it's accompanied by signs and wonders and miracles. Now today we're going to talk about receiving the Spirit, faith to receive the Holy Spirit. And let's turn to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood out, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Notice the word drink. Drinking is a form of receiving. You remember in the first session, I stood up here and I was thirsty and I asked Peter to come up here and give me some water. And he stood there and he held out some water to me. What was I not doing? Receiving. I was not receiving. I was not drinking, was I? I, I continued to, to be thirsty because I was not drinking. I was not receiving what he was offering me. And he could have poured that water on me, and, and it's, I'd still not be drinking. He could have poured it on my head. I still wouldn't be drinking it. I could have gone and stood in the middle of a swimming pool. I still wouldn't be drinking. He could have held it up to my lips, and I still wouldn't be drinking. So in order to receive that water, I had to drink it. I had to take it. And... and you know, he could not make me receive that water. And God cannot make someone receive something. He can't make people receive something they don't want to receive. He can't make them believe something they don't want to believe. And uh, really, that's a good thing in a way that God set it up that way. But if we're wise, we're, we'll be receptive to anything God's offering to us. And in verse 38, he says, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly, or out of his spirit, shall flow rivers of living water. Living water is moving water. It's not a pool. It's not stagnant water. It's, it's running water. Now notice he says, He that believes on me. He's talking about a believer. He's talking about somebody who has already believed on Jesus. Now turn back just a few pages to John 4. John 4. Verse 38. Oh, no, so, sorry, I looked at the wrong verse. Verse 10. Now, this is Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman at the well, and he's talking to her about water. And in verse 10, Jesus uh, answered, you know, she says, you know, like, why are you talking to me? Jews people don't have anything to do with, 
Samaritans. Uh, there was a lot of animosity between Jews and the Samaritans and Jews and non-Jews in general. And Jesus said to her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give to me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Now, isn't that what Jesus said in John 7? He talked about rivers of living water. And here he mentions living water again. And in uh, verse 11, The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Now she still thinks he's talking about natural water. But he's not. Living water des describes flowing water as opposed to a pool of stagnant water. And verse 12, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Verse 14, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him. Underline the words, in him. The water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. Notice the language a well of water in him. Now turn back. I should have had you hold there at John 7, but turn back there a couple of pages to John 7. Jesus is talking about two different things here. He's not talking about the same thing. He's talking about water in John 7, and he's talking about water in John 4, but they're not the same thing. In verse uh, 38, he that believes on me. Now, in verse, in chapter 4, the Samaritan woman was not uh, saved, okay? She was not born again. She was not a believer at the time Jesus was talking to her. She was hungry. She was seeking God and she was hungry for God, but she was not a believer. She was not a Jew. She w did not have a covenant with God, so you would call her an unbeliever. But here in John 7, Jesus says, He that believes on me. So here he is describing someone who is already born again, and they've already received the new birth. As the scripture hath said, out of his belly or his, his spirit, some translations say uh, your heart, your innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. Now, in John 4, to the Samaritan woman who was not a believer at this point, he talked about a well of water. And in John 7, where he's talking about someone who already believes on him, he talks about rivers of water. Now, is there a difference between a well and a river? Where you have to draw the water yourself. Ah. Yeah, and a well is not moving. It's just, you know, it's just stagnant. It's just a pool of water, kind of, isn't it? Yeah. 
They're, they both have water. A well has water and a river has water, but they're not the same thing. So when Jesus here, he talks about a well and he talks about a river, he's talking about two different things. Now back in John 4, verse 14. But the water that I shall give shall be in him a well of water springing up. This water in him is described as a well. The water in him is described as a well. In John 7, 38, He that believes on me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Verse 39, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him, this is people who already believe on him, should receive. Four, the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus has gone to the cross. He has been raised from the dead. And now he has been glorified and the Holy Spirit has been given. Everybody say, well of water and rivers of water. Two different experiences, both of them representing the Holy Spirit. Those who believe on him should receive the Holy Spirit. Those who believe on him should experience rivers of living water flowing out of them. That's different from a well, isn't it? Yeah. That's, he's talking about two different experiences. So you've got the well of water in you. At the new birth, you receive a well of water. The Holy Spirit comes in you and does a work in your spirit. He recreates your spirit. He makes your spirit new, just like God's alive unto God with all the, the forces of God in it, love, joy, peace, and all the fruit of the Spirit, faith. But rivers of, of living water flowing out of you, this is a separate experience. Now let's turn to Acts 19. Acts 19. Verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Underline the word disciples. He found disciples. These are not unbelievers. These are born-again believers who have already believed on Jesus. And Acts and uh, uh, Paul comes across these disciples and he asks them a question. He said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost? Have ye received the Holy Ghost? He did not say, Have you prayed for the Holy Ghost? He didn't say, Have you been waiting for the Holy Ghost? He said, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now we're talking about receiving 
the Holy Spirit and believing that you take the Holy Spirit. Now these people are already born again believers. And, and Paul asked them a question. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now it might help you to underline that, that phrase as well. Since you believed. How many millions of believers have not received the Holy Spirit since they believed? Now there are groups and denominations within the body of Christ that believe when you're born again, you receive all of the Holy Spirit that there is available. And that is not true. And that's why Jesus here is talking about two separate experiences in chapter 7, he's talking about rivers of the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 4, he's talking about a well of the Holy Spirit. And when you're born again, you receive a well of the Holy Spirit who comes and lives in you. And Jesus said he will abide with you forever. Now, if it was true that when you're born again, you receive all of the Holy Spirit that there is to get, why did Paul approach a group of believers and say, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? I mean, if they'd already received all the Holy Spirit there was, why ask them this question? So there are millions of Christians who are born again, they believe on Jesus, but on the inside, you know, they, it just seems like there's something more. There's just you know, kind of stirring their spirit. There must be more. There, there's something more. And that's because there is more. Rivers of water are more than a well of water. So Jesus was talking about two separate experiences. The well of water referring to the Holy Spirit who comes and lives in you when you're born again, making you alive to God. And rivers of water, a separate experience after the new birth, after you're born again. So this is a separate experience following the new birth that Paul's referring to here in this scripture. And that's why he asks, since you were born again, have you received the Holy Ghost? So here he's referring to the rivers of water, not the well. He's referring to the rivers. Hallelujah. They've already received the well of the Holy Spirit when they were born again, but they haven't received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and that's why he asked them this question. And what did they say? They said, we haven't even heard. We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. So many people have heard about Jesus. Many people have received Jesus, but they've heard little to nothing about the Holy Spirit and they have not received his fullness in their lives. There are groups in the body of Christ that believe uh, that what we see and read, uh, read and see taking place here in the book of Acts, and we're going to continue here in the book of Acts, they believe that, re that receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues and receiving the power of the Holy Spirit is not for today. There are many believers in churches and denominations that preach that. Or they believe it's not for everybody. How many times have I heard that? And they just totally dismiss the book of Acts for today. And they will say something like, well, this was a special dispensation of God. 
And God had to God had to show people, you know, that he was real. And this was just for the disciples for a certain time. And the church had to be established. And the church had to grow quickly. And lots of people had to be saved. And this was just for a spe specific period of time in the early church. Uh, you know, and that was it. And when the last apostle died, that was it. No more healing, no more Holy Spirit, no more power, no more gifts of the Holy Spirit, no more Holy Spirit working through believers like you and me, no more tongues, no more miracles, and that's what many Christians believe. But we're going to read the scriptures here, we're going to continue here in Acts, and we're going to read them with an open heart and an open mind, and we're not going to let other people do our thinking for us, amen? Now in Acts 1, let's go back to Acts 1. <clears throat> Verse 8. Uh, as you probably know, Luke wrote the book of Acts. The disciple Luke wrote the book of Acts. And here he is... Uh, recalling the words of Jesus. So in my Bible, they're written in red. He's, he's re, re, recalling what Jesus said. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost, or when the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Underline the words, upon you. Now this is different from in you, isn't it? Jesus taught to the woman at the well about the, the well in you. Here he says, you'll receive power when, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Now the, the margin of my Bible says, but ye shall receive the power of the Holy Ghost coming upon you. So here Jesus is talking about something different, not the Holy Spirit coming to live in you, but the Holy Spirit coming upon you. So, the Spirit in you, the Spirit upon you, two different things. Now, people who are born again, but don't speak in tongues, they do have the Holy Spirit. They've got the well of the Holy Spirit in them, but they don't have the Spirit upon them. Uh, so don't tell born again people that don't speak in tongues, that they don't have the Holy Spirit. I've heard of some people doing that. That's wrong. Don't tell people that don't speak in tongues they don't have the Holy Spirit. They do. They've just got the Holy Spirit in them and not on them. Uh, you know, so you have to have the Holy Spirit to be born again uh, and to be in Christ and Christ in you. So people be, can be born again. They can love God. They can go to heaven with the well of the Holy Spirit, but there's more. And on the other hand, born-again Christians who don't speak in tongues and don't believe in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, they should not be telling other people that it's not for today and it's not for everybody. That's not right either. So these people in the book of Acts have already been born again. They believe on Jesus. The 12 disciples, the 70 other disciples that Jesus sent out, uh, they could not be born again while Jesus was still alive because it was not available. 
The new birth was not available as long as Jesus was on the earth, and the Holy Spirit was not available as long as Jesus was on the earth. Now, in John 7, Jesus said the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. He hadn't gone to the cross yet. He hadn't been raised from the dead. He hadn't received his glorified body and ascended to heaven. So right before the cross, I mean, yeah, right before Jesus went to the cross, he starts talking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit who would come after he had been raised from the dead, after he had received his glorified body, and after he had ascended into heaven. Now, you don't have to turn there, but turn to John 14, and I'm just going to read. It says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So here again, Jesus is referring to the well of the Holy Spirit that you receive at the new birth. But in John 16, Jesus said, you know, it's to your advantage that I go away because as long as I'm here, the Holy Spirit can't come. But when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So, as long as Jesus was on the earth, the new birth was not available, the Holy Spirit was not available. But after Jesus was raised from the dead, he appeared to his disciples and many others who believed on him, and he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Ghost. That's when they were born again. That's when they received the well of the Holy Spirit in them, and they were made new, create, new creatures in Christ, they were made alive to God and born again. But there was no mention at that point about speaking in tongues or having power upon them. Now, Acts chapter 1 and 2 takes place after these disciples had believed on Jesus and been born again. So, these, these, uh, the book of Acts happens after they have believed on Jesus. Now, let's turn... Uh, we're, we're at uh, verse 8, Acts 1, 8. But ye shall receive power. Here Jesus is talking about receiving power. He's not talking about being born again. He's talking about receiving power. After that, or when, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, not in you. And ye shall be witnesses. He didn't say, and ye shall be saved. No, they were already saved. So believers don't need to be saved. Believers need power. Believers need enablement. Believers need empowerment to be a witness and to live this life. And this is why after we're born again, and after these uh, disciples were born again, Jesus gave them and us the great commission to go into all the world, preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, cast out demons, and so forth. But, he said, but, before you go anywhere, you go to Jerusalem, and you stay there, and you wait for this empowerment to come upon you. Don't you go preach anywhere. Don't you go lay hands on anybody. Don't you try to cast out demons until this power has come upon you. 
So Jesus gave them instructions. Now in Acts chapter 2, it tells us when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, so the Holy Spirit came upon them on a specific day. The Holy Spirit came upon them on a specific day. That's what they were in Jerusalem waiting for. The specific day, the day of Pentecost, which was the day that had been prophesied that he would come. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it, or he, sat upon each of them. Underline the word upon again. He sat upon each of them. This was not just for the early apostles. It's for every believer who will receive. Verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. Now these people he's talking to had not believed yet on Jesus. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 39. For the promise. What promise? The promise that the Holy Spirit empowerment would come is unto to you, your children, and a select few in Bible days, but never again in the future. Is that what he said? No. He didn't say it's just for you and it's just for this period of time and not, you know, not ever again. No. But that's what millions of Christians have been taught. People with degrees in the seminary will tell you it was for those people in the book of Acts and God did some special things to show that he was real. No, it says the promise is unto you. The promise that the Holy Spirit would come to your children, to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That doesn't sound like just it's just for a few people to me. Now hold your place there and turn to Galatians 3. Galatians 3. Um, before that, look back up at verse 2. This only when I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Received ye the Spirit of the the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? What's the answer to that question? By faith. We receive the Holy Spirit by faith. Verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on, there's the word on again, on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise 
of the Spirit through faith. Some translations say by faith. The New Century Version says, Jesus died so that by our believing, we could receive the Spirit that God promised. The New Living Translation says, we who are believers, that's, that's all believers, this is for all believers, we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. So we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. This doesn't mention waiting on the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mention crying or praying to God for the Holy Spirit. How do we receive the Holy Spirit promise of God? By faith. By faith. Now, in, especially in Pentecostal circles, they do believe that the fullness of the Holy Spirit is for all believers, that uh, this empowerment comes upon you after the new birth, but traditionally, they have been taught that you have to wait on the Holy Spirit. You have to seek God for the Holy Spirit. You gotta, you know, walk the floor and, and, and beg and plead God to, you know, God, I want the Holy Spirit. Give me the Holy Spirit, you know. Uh, and, and this doctrine that believers have to tarry or wait to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit to come upon them, uh, I believe has been created as a result of what Jesus said in Luke. Now, um, turn over, hold your place there, but turn over to Luke 24. Luke 24. Now, these same words of Jesus are, uh, Luke quotes them again in Acts 1, but I want us to go back to Luke where Jesus originally said this. These are the last words of Jesus before he left the earth as recorded by Luke. Luke 24, 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. There's the words, upon you, again. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Now, I believe this is where that doctrine has been created, that you have to wait to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit and just wait and wait and pray and so forth. But these disciples, Jesus was talking to his disciples here, they had to wait for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was not in the earth. He wasn't here. So they had to wait. <laughs> you know what I mean? As long as Jesus was on the earth, the Holy Spirit was not in the earth. So they had to wait. They had to wait till Jesus ascended to the Father. They had to wait for Jesus to send the Holy Spirit into the earth. So really, as, as we saw there in Acts uh, 2, they weren't necessarily waiting on the Holy Spirit. They were waiting on the day of Pentecost to come because that was a day prophesied that the Holy Spirit was going to come into the earth. Well, the, Holy, the day of Pentecost came. 
the Holy Spirit came. He's still here. He's, still, he's been on the earth ever since. He's never left. He's never left. So we don't have to wait like they did. We don't have to wait. He's here. He's here on the earth. The Holy Spirit has been in the earth since the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. He has never left. All we have to do is receive. And from what I can see, you know, I haven't studied in depth, but it appears that the Holy Spirit is going to continue to be here at least through the first half of the tribulation because the gospel is going to be preached through the first half of the tribulation. People are going to be saved. It's going to be very difficult for them if they even survive it. But people are going to be saved during the first half of the tribulation. At mid-tribulation, the 144,000 Jewish evangelists will be raptured from the earth. And then the last half of the tribulation comes. And I don't really know what happens after that regarding the Holy Spirit. I haven't really studied that out. But we, you know, it appears that the Holy Spirit will continue to be here during the first half of the tribulation. Second half, I can't really comment on that. I just know the second half is going to be much, much, much worse than the first half of the, of the tribulation period. But let's look at some more scriptures in the book of Acts and establish that the fullness of the Holy Spirit is for all believers. Because our Christians today... Uh, who still tell people it's not for everybody. Uh, I'm sorry, but they're wrong. And they never have any scripture to support this. It's just an opinion. Uh, I think the primary reason they believe it's not for everybody is simply because they've never experienced it themselves. If they'd experienced it themselves, they wouldn't have that point of view. Um, but the well of the Spirit's for everyone and the rivers are for everyone. Uh, now let's look at, uh, uh, we're in the book of Acts. The book of Acts describes the be beginning of the early church. Well, if they were the early church, then our generation must be the late church. Amen? You know, we must be the late church. Because, you know, on, on the day of Pentecost there, they poured out onto the streets. They were speaking in other tongues. And everybody said, like, what's happening? These people must be drunk. And Peter stood up and he says, no, these people are not drunk. This is that which the prophet Joel prophesied. And if you go back to Joel 2, I think it's 28, he said, uh, you know, um, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and so forth. Well, if the day of Pentecost signaled the beginning of the last days, then surely we must be toward the end of the last days somewhere, toward the end of the last days. So, the, the, the Spirit-empowered life is for every believer speaking, praying in tongues. It's for everyone. And I'm going to make a bold statement here. But once you receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you, you should not continue to go to a church that tells you every other Sunday, this is of the devil, you need to stop it, you need to get out of it, and you, you need to get out of there. Don't continue to go to a church like that. And as far as that goes, healing, faith, prosperity, or anything else, and let 
people rob you of what you desperately need and of what God has promised. Amen? Love people, but don't let them talk you out of it. And don't let them rob you uh, of what you desperately need. We need the fullness of the Spirit. We need praying in tongues. We need power to be a witness in this life. And if Jesus said it's important, who are people to get up and preach against it? You know, if Jesus said, you've got to have this before you go out there, then who are people to say, this is passed away and this is of the devil? Um, so if Jesus said it's important, we need it. Now, I was a Christian who did not pray in tongues. And for years, I've been a Christian who does pray in tongues. And I can tell you, with is better. Amen. So Acts 2.39. We read that. For the promise is unto you, to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Some other translations say, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. It's for you, it's for future generations, it's for people close, it's for people far away. Uh, this is not just for a select few, it's for everyone who hears the call and answers the call. Now let's turn over to Acts 8. Acts 8, and we'll look at another example here. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Now Philip was an evangelist. So he's gone down there to preach the gospel of Jesus to these people. And the people uh, with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So uh, according to scripture, healing and miracles follow a New Testament evangelist. Uh, 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 someone who uh, is in the office of evangelist, a New Testament evangelist, they have the gifts of healing and miracles accompany their ministry and accompanies the preaching of the gospel. And there was great joy in the city. Uh, so Philip has preached the gospel to these people. They received it. They were born again. They're now believers. It says that they were uh, water baptized uh, as well. And they're saved, but that's not the end. Verse, um, yeah, verse 12 is where they believed and they were water baptized. Verse 14, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. Now that's what we talked about last time, receiving the word of God. They sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them. Why? That they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now again, if as some people say, if they say that, that you receive all the Holy Spirit there is when, when you're born again, then why did the apostles at Jerusalem send Peter and John to pray for these believers to receive the Holy Spirit? Because there must be more Holy Spirit available. That's why they sent them down there. 
a few days ago, they were born again when, when uh, Philip preached the gospel to them. They received the well of the Holy Spirit in them. So when, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard about this, they sent Peter and John to pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit upon them. Verse uh, uh, 15, Who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet, or because, because he was fallen upon none of them. So there's the word upon again. Because the Holy Spirit had not come on them yet. They had only received the Holy Spirit in them. They had received the Spirit within, but not upon. This is not talking about the new birth. That's why they sent Peter and John so they could receive the Spirit upon them. Verse 17. Then they laid their hands on them, and they waited, and they waited, and they cried, and they begged to God to fill them. Is that what it says? No. They received. They laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost right then and there. Now this is the only place in Acts I have found where it does not mention that they spoke in tongues. But in all the other uh, places here in Acts that we're looking at where people were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. Now let's turn over a couple of pages to Acts 10. So, uh, you know, if you're writing these scriptures down, you can help other people. Amen? And don't just give them your opinion. You know, don't just give them your opinion. Uh, read it. Have them read the word. Um, I did this the other evening with the lady where I've been staying. Uh, she owns a guest house where I've been staying in Southampton, and she's a believer. And we've kind of got to know each other, and uh, we went out for a meal. And uh, before we left, she said, Do you speak in tongues? And I said, Yes. And anyway, this whole conversation came up, you know, when I took her through all these scriptures. And then I prayed for her later. But, um, so where are we? We're in, uh, we're in, ver we're in Acts 10. Okay. So, Peter goes to Cornelius' house where his family and close friends have gathered. And as you know, these were the first Gentiles to receive the word of God and to be born again. In verse uh, 43, to him, uh, this is Peter, you know, he's preaching to them and all. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, the name of Jesus, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them all. Underline the words, on them all. Here again we see the Holy Spirit coming on them, which heard the word. So this is not talking about the new birth. The new birth is the work of the Spirit in you. This is the fullness of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Acts 10, 43, 44. Acts 10, 43, 44. Verse 45. Um, 
And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that upon the Gentiles, there's the word upon again, upon the Gentiles also was poured out, underline the words poured out, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now here it says the, the gift of the Holy Ghost was poured out upon the Gentiles. Remember in John 7, Jesus said, He that believes on me, out of his belly or his spirit, shall flow or pour out rivers of living water. Now how did Peter and those who came with him know that these people had received the Holy Spirit upon them? Verse 46 tells us, For, or because... They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now here, it does not mention the laying on of hands. So don't get locked into a certain way for people to be born again. Don't get locked into a certain way for people to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You know, people have been born again, riding, driving down the road, listening to preaching on the radio, CD, so forth you don't have to walk down an aisle in a church service to get born again but somewhere sometime you do need to confess jesus publicly but uh you know these people received the fullness of the holy spirit and spoke in tongues at the very same time that they were born again so it is scriptural to lay hands on people and if you can do so but there may be cases where you can't lay hands on people as a matter, while I'm speaking, I'm believing people that listen to this on the internet, in their office, their car, their living room, whatever, they can receive. And they're, you know, they can receive. Now, Acts 19. Let's move over to one more. Acts 19. This is where we started out a few minutes ago. First one. These are born-again believers. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Verse 2. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So, we talked about in the first session what it means to believe you receive. It means to take, to take to oneself, to make it your own. So you can't take something, uh, you can't take something that hasn't been given. You can't take something that hasn't been given, but the Holy Spirit has been given. He's here. He's never left the earth. So we're not trying to force God to give us something he doesn't want us to have. Now, um, hold your place there. Again, let's go back to Luke 11. I want you to see this. This is another good scripture you can give people who think that the Holy Spirit's not for everybody. Luke 11, verse 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? What's the answer to that question? No. no. Or if he ask a fish, 
Will he for a fish give him a serpent? What's the answer to that? No. no. Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? How about that? No. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Now you cannot get any more plain than that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's go back to Acts 19.2. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? If someone would have asked me that question back before, you know, I received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, I would have had the same response. I would have said, I don't even know what you're talking about. I never even heard of it. Hallelujah. And they said unto him, We have not so much as even heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. Verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them. Underline the words on them. Upon them. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. Speaking in tongues and prophesying is for every believer. Prophesying is not predicting the future. Prophesying is speaking by inspiration. We heard a prophecy this morning. Roger gave a testimony. Edification, exhortation, it built us up. It encouraged us. Comfort, all of those qualified as prophecy. All believers, all believers can prophesy to edification, exhortation, and comfort. So how do you speak in tongues? By faith. Okay? We speak in tongues by faith. We receive by faith. We speak in tongues by faith. It's not in your head. You don't hear words. The Holy Spirit doesn't just come and overtake you and, and, and speak through you. It's your mouth. It's your spirit. But the Holy Spirit gives you utterance. So how do you know what to say? You don't. <laughs> you don't know what to say. You, you know, uh, you, by faith, you believe you receive the utterance. The Holy Spirit gives you utterance. But... We have to open our mouth. We have to believe the Holy Spirit gives us utterance. And we have to speak it out. And the reason many people have difficulty receiving is they, they, they're just waiting on the Holy Spirit or something to just come overtake them. And just they're just going to blurt out something that they have no control over. And that's, that's not the way it, it is. Uh, you know, they, they think, well, God, if you want me to have it, give it to me. You know, that's, um, he already has. He already has given the Holy Spirit to us. All that's left is for us to receive. Hallelujah. So, so we step out by faith and we receive. Amen? Amen. Now, let's, let's stand up and we're going to believe we receive. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're all going to believe we receive. Hallelujah. Let's close our eyes. Raise our hands. Father God.
Say, say this after me. Father God, I believe in you. I believe in your son Jesus. That he died on the cross. Paid the full price. For all my sins. I believe. You have raised him from the dead. I believe. I've received Jesus as my Lord. I've received Jesus as my Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit in me. The well of living water. Springing up unto everlasting life. Springing up unto everlasting life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for the promise of the Spirit. Thank you for the promise of the Spirit. Out of my spirit would flow rivers of living water. I ask you to fill me to overflowing with your precious Holy Spirit. Let the rivers flow up in me. I believe I receive. I believe I receive. I believe I receive. I believe I receive. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. I believe I receive. I believe I receive. The anointing. The anointing. And the utterance. And the utterance. For new tongues. For new tongues. And by faith. And by faith. I speak. Now we're going to pray in tongues, all out loud together. <laughs> Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the utterance. La shita bata kuzona malika shina malika tina bata bishona malika tina bata kuzona mashan. Shoto malika zina bata kuzina bishina lakota lashan. Shoto mashtada lashta kuzora bata kuzina malika kuzora bata kuzina mashta kuzora bata bishina malika tum. Shata mola kuzina mola kuzina bina bishona malika kuzina mashin. Shana mola kuzala mashan. Hallelujah. Shata Mazona Masana Mastana Makota Lashana Lakita Lashon. Shana Open your mouth, just let it come out. Don't pray silently. Don't pray in the foreign language in your native tongue. Don't pray in English. Oh, the gun, the machine, the gun, the machine, the gun, the machine, that's it.
That's it. The shin the moon the sun the gun 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 the sun the Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Rivers of living water. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you. The fullness of the Holy Spirit to be led and guided and directed in life. We need this. Yes, we need this. Hallelujah. Yes, to be a witness. To, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Amen. Yes, Hallelujah. Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. Praise God. Amen. Amen. We're believers and we're receivers. Amen. Amen. And we're Amen. empowered. We're empowered from on high for service. Amen? Amen. And to fulfill God's plan for our lives. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Does anybody have anything you want us to join about in prayer while we're in this place or... Hallelujah. Everybody's... There's, there's a girl in our church, a lovely, lovely Christian girl, lovely Christian family, only child. Um, she's uh, 17. She'll be 18 in September. Um, and um, she's just got this terrible... Um, she self-harms, and she has tried to take her own life. And she's right now in hospital waiting to be transferred to a special clinic where she's got to go. It's just devastating, the whole family. And her lovely grandmother, she's got a lovely Christian family. She's a lovely girl. Mm -hmm. But she's just got this terrible... It's, it is, I, I just, we just think it is an evil spirit yeah, that's yeah. It sounds, causing her to want to... Yeah, it sounds like to me, herself. somehow, she's opened the door to something. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. It, it, she's opened her, opened up somehow. The devil's got in there. Either I don't know, music, or you know, maybe rock music, or I don't know how. But somehow, yeah, it sounds like a, a, a satanic thing. What's her name? Well, it's oh, very, very, oh, okay, no, no, okay, sorry, sorry. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I understand. I, yeah, I forgot that it's local. Yeah, okay. Okay, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, let's stand up and, and we're going to believe. Yes, Lord. We're going to believe. We are. Are these, are these people filled with the Holy Spirit, the family? Yeah, pretty much, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay, yes, okay. Yeah. Okay, hallelujah. Let's just stand up and hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.
Let's just intercede for this girl for a moment. Shamala Kotola Bejala Bastida Lakola Lashana Lakina Lashin, Lashita Bosta Kasina Bosta Kasana Which she was normal up until. Well, no, she's actually suffered from anorexia for some time, but she, for quite a few years, I think. Okay. She's just, but she I can't mean, be mean, left at the moment. Kind she of cannot be left. She has to have with her. She grew but up kind of. Yeah, yes. yeah, she okay, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. No, she's not. I just thought. No, she's uh, not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just thought she she just suddenly had this dramatic I personality I challenge long, or something. Well, I don't know how long she's been yeah. self-harming, but okay. I've okay. peak. Okay. Know. Hallelujah. Yeah, it, it sounds like, um, you know, some somehow some she's, the, the some devil stage. has gotten in there. Yeah. Give him the foothold. Hallelujah. Sure, well, praise God. Amen? Yeah. Uh, Provided that she wants to be free, she can be free, okay? Now, provided she wants to be free, she can be free. And that has a lot to do, you know, that's, a lot. that's why I was wondering if this was a, a sudden change in her personality or something like that. But, um, okay, hallelujah. But can we stand in the gap for her, even if she doesn't want to be? I mean, there's a lot of other people who are praying for her who well, really want her to be. Well, yeah, you can intercede. You can intercede for her, mm -hmm. but uh, but you know, from what I've studied about people who have real special ministries, uh, like in deliverance and things like that, people have to if they want to keep those demons, they're going to keep them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now. Uh, they, in their cases, they may not be a Christian, mm -hmm. uh, you know. In a case of like where somebody's not a Christian mm -hmm. and they like their demons, mm -hmm. they can keep them. Mm -hmm. And you can pray for them till the cows come home, but mm -hmm. they're going to keep them. But in the case of somebody who's a, a believer, mm -hmm. I believe we have, you know, and if they want to be free, they can be free, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, look at Mary Magdalene. I mean, the Bible says she had seven demons or whatever, mm -hmm. and Jesus cast them out. So, but she wanted to be free. You know. So can we pray that this girl wants to be free? Yeah, that yeah. God help yeah. makes her. Yeah, you know. Father, if this girl wants to be free, then Lord, we have authority. We as believers, we have authority on this earth over powers, principalities, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness, and heavenly places. And if this girl wants to be free, then. Satan, we loose you from this girl in the name of Jesus. We command you to loose her. Jesus said, whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven, and whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And we bind you up, and we cast you out. We, we, Jesus said, how can any man uh, enter the strong man's house unless he first bind up the strong man? So strong man, we bind you in the life of this girl and we uh, command you to cease and desist your activity. We command you to leave her mind and you go out to the dry places, seek rest and find none in Jesus' name. We loose this girl from your grip in the name 
of Jesus. We loose her in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, Hallelujah. I just thank you, Lord, <coughs> that your perfect love casts out fear. Yes. And yes. Father, we don't know this girl's name, but you do. And I just I just sense mm -hmm. she doesn't love herself. Yeah, that's right. I just come against spirit mm. of self-hatred mm. and the spirit yes. of suicide. Mm. Yes. And in the name mm. of Jesus, I yes. have authority yes. over you. Yes. And I yes. cash it out yes. in Jesus' name Amen. and go to the dry place yes. where Jesus commands you. Yes. And Father, I ask you to reveal your love to her. Yes. Let her yes. love herself. Yes. Because if she loves herself, yes. she yes. loves self out. Amen. So Father, reveal your love to me. And Father, I just thank you, Lord. I just yeah. know from my own experience, you've delivered me from a lot of, well, we won't go there, but demonic things. And I know, Father, you, those who call out to you, you shall deliver yeah. them, and you shall Amen. break the iron chains yes. and the fetters. And I declare over this girl, she's free. Yes. And I command every spirit, tormenting spirit, suicidal spirit, everything that's tormenting this girl, be gone in the name of Jesus. Amen. Never to be Amen. And I just speak. She's Lord, let her know that she's secure in you yes. and in your love. And Father, just give her a revelation of the love that you have for her. Yeah. Yes. And you love her body yes. from the top of her head Amen. to yes. the soles of her feet. Yes. Whether Amen. she's fat, whether she's thin, whatever, you love her. You've made yeah. her the way she is. Yeah. So, Father, yeah. minister that into yes, his spirit. Lord, thank you. In Jesus. Yes. Thank Amen. 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 Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Yeah. I believe thank that's. You. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Yeah, the devil has lied to her. Yes, the yes, devil has lied to her about her, like you said, her image, the way she looks, yeah. and all this. And yeah, he distorted her self image, yeah. and God wants her to see herself in His image. Mm -hmm. That will be a renewing and a complete. So yeah. it's it's important to pray the root of that. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. Yes. Well, we believe we hit the root of it. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Amen. 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 And see how praying in the Spirit, you know, helps us to even get to the root of it. You know, we're not just praying out of our head, limited by our knowledge, which we don't really have knowledge about. But that's one of the great powers of being able to pray in the Spirit is, is um, amen. To get to the root of things. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's uh, receive our offering.